The number you have dialed can no longer be reached from this phone. You negligent monster. This is the Extra Hot Great Podcast, episode 61 for the week of December 12th, 2011. I am the last starfighter, David T. Cole, and I'm here with critics' favorite, Joe Reed. Thank you. And stupid baby, Tara Ariano. Daddily doodly. <laughs> uh, welcome back, everybody. Hello. Hi. For another fun-filled episode. Um, so, truth time. Ladies and gentlemen, we were originally going to talk about the new movie, We Need to Talk About Kevin. Which we still will. Which we yes. still will we at some still point. We still will. It was, I decree it. It was Tara's most anticipated movie of the fall. It still is. We did Dave's and my most anticipated movie. That's right. So we owe we owe you nothing but a full and robust discussion. Thank you. Of we Need to Talk About Kevin. But it only opened in one theater, I think, in New York this That's weekend correct. before it was going to go back in its shell. And it's really far. Yeah. It's really far oh, was from it here. the Angelica or something yep. like that? Yeah. I don't like seeing movies there. I hate that place. Oh, my God. I mean, it's like watching a movie at the end of a very long tunnel. <laughs> it's like you're taking your eye exam, yep. but watching a movie. Yeah. So, yep. and then it's going to reopen uh, across the country, probably in, you know, platform release, whatever, in, in January. mid-January. Yes. So, we'll talk about it then when we all can We partake. need to. Yes. Right, we need to talk about, we need to talk about Kevin. So instead. So instead, we each decided uh, to sort of, it's kind of a potluck episode where mm-hmm. we each are bringing Potpourri. a dish of our own. Mm-hmm. Uh, something in pop culture that uh, speaks to us and speaks to things that are happening right now. So I guess I'm going to start off. Yes, please do. Yours Be- is the most relevant and the least self-indulgent of our, <laughs> oh, of our items. Oh, it's plenty self-indulgent. <laughs> um, because we're going to talk about my... Uh, Enthusiasm, uh, insanity, perhaps, <laughs> uh, for movie award season because it's upon us and uh, the fevers hit. I'm glad that we are addressing this because I, d- I do have questions. Good, okay. respectful questions. I, hey, out of love. Here's okay. The thing no. is, Dave. Oh, well, I was going to say, I, I it didn't strike me until this year how in the bag you are for award season when they first started bubbling up. I've stopped the- being ashamed of it. <laughs> Okay, so is that the difference this year? Yes, it because, is. Because um, I was yeah. noticing on Twitter a a, a peak. He, he, Dave a did verve? mention this the other day. Joe seems really salty lately, I said. I, I think been. he's a little bit more confident in his opinions than well, maybe he has been in the past. And it's it's also, and this is, doesn't speak entirely well of me, but I'm a lot more aware of how resentful I am at other people who get to write about movie awards season <laughs> for a living, and I don't. And so I'm sort of stuck sniping from the Twitter sidelines. Right. <laughs> oh, it's so I, sniping I, I, I will do. So um, how many awards... Are, are we dealing with now? Well, we've we only got? we've only really had two critics awards so far. We've had the New York Film Critics Circle, which announced first when it was still November, which is crazy early, uh, and then the National Board of Review, which is kind of a fakey fake, not really critics, but like a council of learned elders about movies. <laughs> Some are more legitimate than others, Dave. I see. Um, so the New York Film Critics gave their best picture to the artist. And then the National Board of Review gave their best picture to Hugo. So those are sort of the two movies that are uh, <laughs> the Tara won't see it double feature Correct. of the artist and Hugo. <laughs> what was that again? That's that's my favorite. Take that, Marty. Yeah. But it's an interesting it's an interesting year because there doesn't seem to be there didn't seem to be a really solid number one front runner yeah. that had already opened. So those two kind of jumped to the head of the line. And now the Golden Globe nominations, I believe, are this Tuesday. So if I'm wrong about that and it's the next week, then forgive me. Um, But that usually is the true kind of kickoff for the big speculation because then it's like... 20 movies get nominated for Best Pictures, and every, it's a full slate of actors and actresses Well, nominated. I feel like, too, with the Golden Globes, it, it, if if nothing else, and let's just say it, nothing else. Sure. Because the Golden Globes are maybe the fakiest fake awards they are. there are, and we yes. all can agree on that. But they're so enjoyable. That, plus, it, it sort of indicates, okay, these are the movies that are really going to get a push. These yes. are the movies that are getting money spent about uh, for, totally. for them, on their behalf. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> these are the movies that people are getting bribed about. Right. And we already know that, like, Harvey Weinstein is, like, 
pushing full force behind the artist. So we know the the artist is. If I had to put money down right now and say what's going to win Best Picture in February or whatever the hell, yeah. the end of this long journey, mm-hmm. uh, I would say the artist. Although I could see. Hugo being one. And the Golden Globes are going to be interesting because they're, I think, going to sort of tell the tale with Warhorse, whether Warhorse is going to be in the Oscar picture or not, because it's such a late opener. Mm-hmm. I still think if... My whole thing with Warhorse is if I start seeing, like... Wait. Fe- yes. Sorry. Sorry. Yay? Oh, God. Here it comes. <laughs> or nay. <laughs> wow. That, did, that was worth it, though. I have obviously none of us here have seen War Horse. You no. haven't seen a screening of it, right? No. Someone, someone that I follow on Twitter said that it was so wholesome and sweet. It made the That's king's speech look like bad lieutenant or something. <laughs> like, wow. That might not have been the analogy, but the you ter- get the, gist. the term I I heard somewhere was almost parodically uh, old fashioned mm-hmm. and sweet. Yeah. Um, but my whole thing with War Horse is if I if we start seeing feature articles about. How impressive it was that Spielberg managed to wrangle a quote-unquote performance out of a horse. Right. I feel like that's the tack that that movie sort of needs to take to sure. be because that's how it won the Tony when War Horse won the Tony was like the technical brilliance of blah mm-hmm. blah blah blah. Yeah, but on a movie there could be like seventeen War Horses taking sure. that part. Sure, but I still feel like if it becomes about Spielberg, sort of like the degree of difficulty in making a movie where a horse is your main character. <laughs> three for three. <laughs> Shit, I, I should not be this vocal. <laughs> not that this is, I mean, it's a vocalization, well, but Dave still has like, he has enough movie forcings in his pocket to make me oh see God, all I of these. I do not want to see I was going to say, you don't want to see these movies. No. He doesn't want to see The Artist or Hugo either, thank God. But they're all very... Uh, sort of old-fashioned, at least Hugo and the artist are very much like the the love yeah. of old-timey movies, and right. War Horse is sort of a nice, comforting, old-fashioned movie, too. Yes. So it's interesting that there's really no, there's nothing to buck that, tra- that trend. There's mm-hmm. nothing that seems really sort of shockingly modern, right. like a Hurt Locker or mm-hmm. something like that, that, mm-hmm. uh, that will buck that trend. So it feels like it's going to be one of those three really, you know, they all sort of seem to be uh, targeting the same demographic which is the academy demographic so yeah. it's going to do well i'm happy to see that people are still talking about beginners because yeah I, that's I gotten a real that lot that of one was going to sort of fade away yeah christopher Plummer sort of seems like the front runner for best supporting actor if right he can now. fucking get a nomination for the last station the that last no one station. alive even saw i saw it well but it was only funny. on only on dvr this year that nomination was very much like oh shit, we've let Christopher Plummer get to 90 years old without right. getting an Oscar nomination. It's like the Peter O'Toole that and if they had, movie that yeah, he was just I think if they would have been able off. to look in a crystal ball and see that he had beginners, you know, in yes. him and yes. was coming soon, I don't think the last station thing, you know, yeah. would have been necessary. Yep. Um, but Golden Globes will be interesting for, because they also do the comedy right. nominations. comedy or musical. So, so Bridesmaids will get a nomination. Bridesmaids will get a nomination. And the Globes is probably the most likely place to nominate Melissa McCarthy for supporting actress. Yep. Which seems like super dark horsey. And, you know, I would have never thought it when I saw the movie mm-hmm. in the summer. Yeah. But she's gotten a lot of momentum after the Emmy. And people really like her and want to see something like that nominated, particularly in a year that's this sort of serious. Yes. Well, the other thing about Best Supporting Actress at the Oscars, too, is that that tends to be the, like, the crazy weirdo nomination spot totally will ferrell and the producers super old someone super young gets nominated yeah and and even and comedic performances do have a shot she yeah. could be this year's marissa tomei the, the, if the golden globes will nominate julia roberts for charlie wilson's war I mean, they will nominate just about anyone right. so there's that factor of like who's going to be the weird pull out of their pocket nominee yeah um but you could see i sort of for comedy the artist, I think, is going to be in comedy, so they'll get a lot of those nominations, too. But, like, Young Adult could show up in comedy. 50-50's been doing really well getting, like, screenplay awards from critics, so mm-hmm. that could do well. Um, and The Help, which is actually going to be in drama rather than comedy. But The Globes, I could see giving a lot to The Help, because that's a real sort of popular, yep. uh, populist movie. and. Mm-hmm. I think if I also were going to put money on Best Actress, I would say Viola Davis is going to win the Oscar for Best Actress. I hope that's right. She's, I hope that's she right, too. Great. She's Particularly amazing. because the more I see of The Iron Lady, and I haven't seen that yet, but it just looks so bad. <laughs> oh, it looks so bad. Um, I'm not going to do it, but I really want to. <laughs> Dave. <laughs> that's my horse. And I want it back. It's going to be bad. Yeah. It looks bad. Okay. Um, so I do have two sort of uh, caveats 
things that are kind of sticking in my craw about award season. Mm-hmm. And since this whole thing on our, on our preparatory document, it was labeled as Joe Reed award season nut bar. <laughs> so I feel like I kind of have to. That was that was me. I have to live up to that title a little bit. <laughs> Two things. One, I know we've only seen two critics awards show up, but like the LA critics are going to do it soon and the National Society of Film Critics. I hate it when they all vote for the same movie. So it's good so far that there's been two different movies cited. I just, they're such small little groups and they all go like one after another. So they already know who the previous group awarded. Right. And there's no point giving it to the same movie. Like be different, be yourselves, don't, you know, Think along the lines of what's going to win the Oscar. Try and be idiosyncratic with it. Number two, and this is for Twitter, and this is going to maybe look, maybe make me look like a bitch. I really, really, really am done with hearing complaints about breaking embargoes, like re- uh, reviews like David Denby's yes. Dragon Tattoo review <clears throat> that course. broke the embargo for blah blah blah. It's like we don't like those of us who don't get to go to advanced screenings don't give a shit. And it's really gotten like kind of self-pitying and like, well, why does this person get to break an embargo and blah, blah, blah. It's so super inside baseball and it's so like alienating to people who can't see these movies or haven't like aren't in this conversation anyway. Yeah. So that bugs me. Also, who wants to be on David Denby's side of any argument? This is what I'm saying. This fucking guy. Right. Even re- <clears throat> I subscribe to The New Yorker. I never, ever read his reviews. Ever. Right. Ever. Well, why? I, I hate it. Ever since he stuck up for Crash, oh, he has been did dead he? to me. Well, that's deserving. He loved it. So he's been dead to me since then. Well, and it's, you know, if you're really that upset that he broke the embargo, then don't give him all of this attention by talking about it all the time. Anyway. Also, well, whatever. I mean, I'm sure that if the girl with the dragon tattoo is going to get nominated for all kinds of shit anyway. I don't but like, know. I could see it not. These late-breaking ones are such a flip of a coin because it's all like, have the people already made up their minds right. by the time it opens? But I could see it. Rooney Mara's been getting good advance, whatever, buzz, I guess. I won't do it. No, do it one more time. <laughs> I don't want to see that movie either. <laughs> that one, I this, have to this say. Whole, this, this month, other than we need to talk about Kevin, there's not yeah. a lot I'm excited about. Honestly, in a year when I'm actually like kind of anticipating the Mission Impossible movie, <laughs> yeah. it really tells wow. you how weak this slate is yeah. and or how low my brow is because <laughs> a lot of these fancy pants movies look super duper boring to yeah. me. It's not been my favorite movie year, but I've still, I'm still hopeful that a couple of these late-breaking ones do Can it. Can I ask you something just about award shows in yes. general and your yeah. approach to them? Because I always... Well, this isn't only about awards shows, because a lot of these are not televised. Sorry, I didn't mean awards. I meant awards in general. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, like, what do you get out of it? (laughs) This is no. (laughs) No, this is a legitimate question. I actually like thought about it. I was like, how do I actually defend my interest in it? Tell me what you get out of it, because I have I have follow up questions. I feel like at its at its at its very worst, award season is merely a sort of a whole lot of fluff where you see, you know. Famous people get told that they were good in things and they mm-hmm. get to, you know, accept sure. statues. And then there are televised awards and it's it's no m- more or less nutritious than your average reality show, sure. I feel like. Yes. So, I mean, at its wor- I like I feel like, I do feel like there's a value in celebrity culture. And I feel like the worst aspects of celebrity culture, your Kardashian-y aspects, award season doesn't touch that anyway so no. i don't have to feel like dirty about that that's true at its best it gives me like three months at the end of the year where everybody's talking about the good movies of the yeah. year and what's been good and i feel like i get to participate in a lot of conversations where i really get to engage about the movies that i like rather than sort of it's all anticipating and like trying to get through summer movies so it's like uh when you go to seminar in university and the, kind of and the professor brings you questions you perhaps didn't think of to answer and then yeah I, I read a lot of a, a lot of really interesting things about movies that I really liked and it's 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 because the January movies are so bad mm-hmm. everybody sort of gives themselves that month to sort of reflect back on what was good about the previous year and I like that I have another theory yeah. Uh, sportsy likes the competitive aspect. That is also true. <laughs> that is so true. That this, this, I cannot that even award, deny. Award season combines your two great loves of which yeah. are movies, movies and, and, and and competitive sports. And, exactly. Yeah. And betting. Yes, because yes. I do like there an Oscar pools. pool. I do uh, like two. And, and even if it's informal, I like being like I said the, the two things I said today about the artist and Viola Davis. If I'm right about that, I'm going to be so fucking happy that I'm right, <laughs> and I'm going to like I'll remember that. I'll be like, who, who called it? Who called I get, it back I in get December? That. For the award shows, because my thoughts were like 
do you use it as a discovery tool? Awards? I less so than because I used you're to. Pretty it's the opposite. To. You liked, but but you're you're more like handicapping of like what do I need to see in order to be part of this conversation? That because for me, you, you want to be informed in your opinion. But when I was younger, unlike very... Raspberry Jones over here, <laughs> just dismissing things out of hand. Raspberry Jones was my favorite Broadway musical <laughs> of two years ago. Let me tell you, you um, put out a couple good albums. So. <laughs> But I used to, I definitely, when I was younger, award season was definitely something where I I would hear about movies yeah. that I hadn't heard about and I could seek those out. The Independent Spirit Award nominations are still kind of like that. Right. Where I can, yeah. uh, Pariah, I think, was, was a movie that I hadn't really heard about until the Indie Spirit nominations came out. The other part is that uh, the approach to award shows from the outside looking in for, to me, yeah. for a lot of people seems to be... Uh, award shows are great when they confirm my choice of movies and they're yeah. just well, total shite when they don't. Yeah. I yeah. might be channeling our good friend Paul Quinn on this one. Paul oh, <laughs> Quinn. But the other thing about about watching an award show when you have a pool though is that it gives you that it, it puts it puts a barrier between what you at, what your heart yes. wants to yeah. happen yes. and what your mind thinks is probably the most likely the only, and it yeah. helps it helps to cushion the blow the when only the things time that you I've love the most don't win. Ever won an Oscar pool is when I just copied EW one year. Did you really? I was just like EW choices. They're smart Ooh, about it. Dave Carter's it. very smart about it. So, how long? How how long before like award season peters out? Oh well, it ends with the Oscars. Ends with the Oscars, so which is the end, end of, of so the excitement lasts three months, two and well, a half months. Well, I don't know about the excitement because yeah, there is definitely a point in early February where everybody gets fatigue and right. everybody gets punchy and everybody really gets annoyed because you feel like you know who's going to win all the Oscars by that point anyway. So there because is... Because it's true. The, the longer it goes on, the bigger the awards are. Like Golden Globes, everyone can kind of dismiss out of hand because they have way more categories than the Oscars will. Right. But by the time you get to like the SAG Awards... The, the Producers Guild Awards, yep. like that, those are more coronations now. And they never used to be televised. Now they are. Now they are. Yeah. Not producers, but SAG is. Yeah. And so, Broadcast Film Critics Awards are te- And are even the, and the WGAs, too. Like, by the time yeah. all of the different guilds have voted, you're like, well, a picture starts to emerge. Exactly. Of, who, of, what, of exactly. the way things are going to go. Because the, there's so much crossover between those voters and Academy voters. Right. So, and that's an issue with, you know, the Oscars and how they're going to combat that is, I don't know. But, yeah. So, closer to February, we'll revisit your... Not bariness. Yes, because the picture will yeah, be much clearer. Yeah, this year we should do, we should let Joe do picks. Absolutely, we didn't we didn't last year. Ooh, yeah. I would do that. All right, let's do that. All right. I shouldn't say we didn't let Joe make it. Like he pitched it, and we rejected yeah, the idea. No. That's not what happened. No. Just it didn't come up. I, due to suffocated I'm me sure. with a pillow is more likely what happened. Listen. <laughs> Um, so another thing that happened this past week, uh, in addition to the start of award season is I got laid off from my job. Oh, time for another tar update. That's what Dave said when I called him to tell him. It was really (laughs) insensitive. Very passive aggressive. It really was. Um, so I wanted to, uh, address the issue of what my pop culture goals are during this period. I am calling fun employment. And you have many. I do have many. Um, one, go to Tara movies alone in the middle of the day. All right. Something I used to really enjoy doing. Oh, a midday movie. Midday it's, movies are great. When I was in college, I used to do it all the time. Too. Especially I like when I was in grad school, I moved to Toronto, and that was that was 1996. And that was a very very good movie year. Yeah. And so I used to go to the movies by myself all the time. And the yeah. art the art house theater was like a like a six block walk from oh, my apartment, beautiful. so I saw everything. And yeah. It was amazing. And there's a lot of d- movies that Dave will not go see with me. Um, so I'm going to make a list of those and go by myself. 2002 was kind of a year like that for me, too, I remember, where yeah. I had a lot of midday time where I went and mm-hmm. saw all the bit, and that was a good year. Yeah. Yep. Um, get both my DVRs below 50% full. Ooh. Um, at the moment, I have two. Ambitious. They are both around 80% full. Yeah. Because <laughs> there's a lot of stuff on there from when we were out of town just now. Uh, it's It takes hard, concerted effort. I started watching Gentleman's Agreement, the oldest thing on my DVR last what night. What is that? It's it sounds filthy, right? It it's an old it's an old Gregory Peck movie. Oh, okay. I thought I thought you were talking about it in the context of a reality show. I no. have heard of Gentleman's Agreement. Yeah. Yes. So it was. It, it, I watched about ten minutes of it last night, and uh-huh. was like, "Well, that's a that's about enough for now." What would it's Gentleman's gonna, Agreement to... the reality show be exactly? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Now my mind's wandering. I, I know, can't, but right? it would be on logo. You want you want to pitch it though, now, don't you? Uh-huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Um, and uh, I'm gonna try and watch Fringe again. 
we watched the pilot and then okay. re- no, I watched one subsequent episode for recapping purposes later, like in season two. It's tough for me to predict whether you're going to like Fringe. Well, the thing about Fringe is that the more I know, I've, I've talked to people that that watch it, you, but other friends yeah. of ours. And from the way they, they describe it, it sounds like all the parts of Lost that I liked. Yeah. And none of the boring uh, metaphysical shit I never cared And the about. second and third seasons are really, really good. The mm-hmm. The last season has been spotty, but I'm sticking with it because I'm really invested in it. Right. Um, so hopefully you will get to that point as well. Obviously, this that would have to happen after my DVRs are more than 50% full. No, yes. I'm going to take my attention away from this that. This is true. Um, watch at least one movie in my Netflix Instant queue. I put a, a lot of goal. shit there, you know, like yeah. it comes up. And so I'm going to, and then it just sits there for months. Finally going to watch Bleak House or whatever it is that's on the front <laughs> of the page every time I go to our Netflix account. Yeah, that'll take me, that'll, that's a time investment too, because it's a mini series. No, yeah. no, correct me if I'm wrong, yes. but does that star Gillian Anderson? It does. It does. I only know that because every time <laughs> I go into the Netflix queue, she's staring back at me. <laughs> watch me. Why don't you watch me? I can't. I have years. to watch Futurama, <laughs> you say. And uh, finally, read one book, which I'm already well underway of. I was telling Joe this when he arrived this evening to record yes. this podcast, that he was kind enough to give me um, the book The Marriage Plot by Jeffrey Genities for my birthday. And I started to read it last night after I decided that as a fun employment gift to myself, I was going to abandon my reading of Skippy Dies by Paul Murray. because Before been, Skippy even died, you guys. I've been slogging away at this book, and I've heard from people that I really respect that it gets good, but it's like, it's over 600 pages long, and I'm, I'm 140 pages in. Joe said, well, what's it about? I was like, I don't even know. <laughs> like, I can't hook up with any of these characters. And so as a, yeah. as a gift to myself, I'm sure it's great. But I'm going to let myself set it aside for now slash possibly ever. Whereas the marriage plot is great. And I've, I'm devouring well, I'm it like already. It. Thank Can you, I go Joe. back to your DVR thing for a second? You may. Because uh, as you know, but I don't think the listeners know, mm-hmm. my DVR suffered a catastrophe a month ago. And it uh, yeah. erased itself. It erased, it erased all my programming wow. that was on there. I'm so sorry. Um, so I started out. But it was like. Where's bless- your parade? It was blessing slash curse because it was like I lost all this stuff. But it's like <laughs> I have a 0% DVR. It's, now I'm going to reinvent myself. It's like. When you, it's like when your Gmail gets down to it's like no, going to a new high no, school. Yeah, it kind of is. I can be anything I want to be now. So there's well, so many masterpiece theaters on this all of a sudden. But so I was like, man, I'm gonna I'm gonna do it right this time. I'm gonna I'm gonna keep it at a responsible level. Mm-hmm. And then within two weeks, I had set up uh, season recording or uh, weekly recordings for daily for Days of Our Lives and uh-huh. Will and Grace reruns. Nice. Because that's what happens. You gotta stay on top of that Will and Grace rerun, though, because there's four a day. Well, I limited it to only one airing a day because the four a day was already like jumping no, me up. No, but there's to... four different episodes. No, but I only record the ones that air at nine o'clock oh, in the morning. Like, okay. I picked one time slot and went with it. Because it's like, I've seen Will and Grace. I don't, the t- continuity doesn't mean anything. Right, but this is where, you know, my system comes into play because if you're actually curating your choices and you don't have a season's pass, you can you can pick and choose the ones that might be on at 10.30. I know, that's too be much pressure for me. But Days of Our Lives hey, I decided... I got nothing but time now. There's no excuse for me not to set up my DVR this way. <laughs> Days there, of Our I Lives... I never had an excuse before either, but... <laughs> Days of Our Lives, in my defense, has a gay teen storyline coming up sure that I does. cannot miss. So. I know. Right. I get it. Anyway. Is this worse than jazz? You know, the thing about that is like, it's supposed to be terrible, but to me, it's it's indistinguishable from what Carrie plays on Homeland every week. Here's the thing oh, also. Yeah. All I can visualize is like, remember those early season Simpsons where like Lisa would be playing the sax? Yes. And it would be like stars and lightning bolts behind her like yeah. she was in her own little like mall music video. That's all I can ever see. I, I, I also picture Kirk composing that, yes. holding his nose. <laughs> How mad he was that we even asked him to do that. It's so uh, mean. He got paid. He got his money. All right. Uh, up, Kirk? This is a good egg, that guy. On Is This Worse Than Jazz, the segment in which we look at something and then compare it to the terribleness that is freeform jazz. <laughs> uh, this week, uh, being the Christmas season, I am introducing... The worst piece of music ever known to mankind, in my opinion, certainly, if you debate that, the worst Christmas song of all time, Paul McCartney's Wonderful Christmas Time. It's not called simply Wonderful Christmas Time or A Christmas Time. In fact, it is called Wonderful Christmas Time. The internet has about 14 different titles. Oh, for I'm it. sure. Yeah. yeah. Um, is this a terrible song? 
Absolutely. Does this uh, song have terrible lyrics? Oh my, yes it does. Uh, one of the three uh, verses in this song is, The word is out about the town to lift a glass. Ah, don't look down. What the fuck does that mean? <laughs> Are they having Christmas on a tower? That's weird. This is some sort of parachute Christmas. And the thing about this song is, no one would ever know what the lyrics are because that's not an that's not a caroling classic. No one would ever sing that going door to door. Yeah, right. the lyrics are bad, but the thing about this song is, there is no more annoying tune yeah. than this song. Turn it off. Stop it. Turn it off. Turn it off. I can't. So. Pew, 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 pew. That's all that goes through my head. <laughs> That part of it. Ugh. Turn it off. Oh my God. So, Paul McCartney for you. Wonderful don't Christmas time. I don't think I have to go to into it anymore. Frankly, no. No. it's a Christmas Carol that is always the first song that makes me notice Christmas is coming because I can tune out other Christmas songs. But this one is like, you know, getting a bullet in your head. You just yeah. cannot. Avoid it. It's so insipid. Yes. It's like the. I mean, when you uh, you know the movie about a boy where yes. Hugh Grant's character, his whole thing is the reason he has money is his debt. His yeah. father yeah. wrote that terrible Christmas song. I swear they oh, meant yeah. this song. That yeah. definitely I is what they that. had in mind. Yeah. Uh, very recently on Twitter, uh, Michael Schur, the uh, Schur owner for Parks and Recreation, was talking about terrible Christmas songs, and he mentioned this one, and he said it's a hundred times worse because it's a former Beatle. Yeah. Who did it? Oh yeah, and it's like that sort of that betrayal yeah. pedigree of, versus of a legendary musician reality. Yeah, yeah. and he also I, I saw that tweet too, and he's yeah. like, "And war is over if you want it is no better either." It I is. disagree. It is better. It's it's, it's also, a lot better. It is. It's it's also corny, but sure. in the opposite way, and it's a better tune. It's a better tune. It's a better. Song. I totally agree. Speaking with about you. terrible tunes, just to put a capper on my argument, uh, when this was released as a single, the B side. <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reggae. Shut no. Oh, no. Yeah. Oh, God. Oh, I've <laughs> never hated white people more than I do at this moment. So, wow. Paul McCartney okay, is wonderful... Okay, at least that one sank away into oblivion. <laughs> I mean, of the that's two, true. I guess that's worse, but they're yeah, both bad. There was and no... I also want to say... Dave has been a there's the hatred of wonderful Christmas time has been very fashionable the past few years. Dave has loathed this song with a burning passion. I can't imagine anybody ever liking it forever. For as long as I've known you, oh, you've yeah. hated this song. You've, yeah. You're way ahead of the hate curve on this one. Yeah, it's bad. <laughs> so uh, I'm going to pose this question to you guys because I'm definitely going to say for the first time in the history of this segment that uh-huh. this thing I'm bringing to the table is in fact holy shit, worse than jazz. This song is, in fact, worse than jazz. What do you think, Tara? Uh, yeah, I would rather listen to our uh, terrible opener for this segment um, all day than hear Wonderful Christmas Time. Yeah. When I hear it in a store, it makes me not want to shop there. Yeah. It's easier to hate it during this time of year because yeah. it's around all the time. I feel like the first eight months of the year, That's you could get fooled into thinking that jazz is worse <laughs> because you don't hear it. But try, try playing this song one time in June and you will agree. It is so much worse than jazz. It is. Uh, this tiny triumph is coming a bit late because we didn't have a episode that we recorded last week. We recorded it in advance. But when me and Tara, we were in L.A., uh, in fact, when Tara was getting the news that Yahoo was shutting down her blog, at the very same time, I had started a Twitter hashtag called movie or bowel movement. Yep. And I started it off with selections such as something wicked this way comes, <laughs> Armageddon. Of course. Are these movies or are these descriptions of yep. bowel movements? Mm-hmm. The Incredibles, Standing <laughs> Tall. And then as these things do, sometimes my friends pick them up. And this is one of those instances where two friends told two friends yeah. and they told it two friends. It spread quickly. And it just went crazy. So I continued it with Big Trouble in Little China. <laughs> the Two Towers, that was for you, Joe. Thank you. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. <laughs> oh. The Creature from the Black Lagoon. Oh. One of my fa- favorites, The Freshman. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> the Never-Ending Story. <laughs> Movie or Bowel Movement, The Dark Crystal. Ooh. Meet the Browns. Ooh. Mm. Meet the, the Browns. S- the Sitter. 
we need to talk about quotes, Kevin. <laughs> and my personal favorite of mine, because it's kind of a poo thinker, which I think is a nice thing to have. <laughs> yeah. The last starfighter. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but Joe, in fact, you had my favorite uh, one of the whole campaign. Yeah. All right. I'm going to build up to it a little bit okay. because I, uh, I had legend. Yes. Which I yeah. liked a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Treasure of the Sierra Madre. <laughs> <laughs> the brown bunny. Yeah. Uh, which yeah, I felt sure. like was yeah. more obligatory. Yeah. Than anything. But the one that ended up being my most retweeted tweet of all time mm. by quite a large margin yeah. was Precious based on the novel <laughs> pushed by Sapphire. <laughs> you know, since you said I didn't participate in this game for obvious for reasons. For obvious reasons. But since you said Legend Labyrinth also works. Yes, kind of does. Also a good one. When we went out for dinner that night, Dave told uh, told our my my now Xbox Mark Lazanti, we were out for dinner with him and his fiance Kristen and and she, uh, she as soon as heard she heard about it said, "Did someone do the Green Mile?" which Dave said someone did. Um, the other one, but when you said The Incredibles, I thought just now a lot of Pixar movies Hell probably yeah. work. Yeah. Um, Monsters Inc. Uh, yeah, Finding example, Nemo. Finding Nemo, and the upcoming Pixar film Brave. <laughs> right? Yeah. Um, so, to my delight, yes, this became the number one hashtag for about half an hour in the United States. Yeah, and yes, then proof. about, and then yeah, and then about a few minutes after that, number one in the goddamn world. Amazing. Movie or bowel movement? And Joe, send us off with my very favorite one. Do you know what it is? Your very favorite that one? you did that you beat me to the to the punch on. Oh, do you remember? I'll let it, I know there was one that happened, but I can't remember. Which it one was, was, and this is my favorite from Joe Reed: movie or bowel movement, children yes. of the court. <laughs> Okay, everybody, it's time for the canon. And Tara, you are bringing us something this week. Originally going to be tied to we need to talk about Kevin. Yeah. But we're going to uh, talk about it this week anyways. You know, I'll find another uh, episode of TV about neglectful parents um, when we, whenever we do talk about we need to talk about Kevin. But for now, we'll do this one, which you, you can just remember when I do that one, that, that this was the real one. Whatever other one I pick will definitely be lesser than this, which is the Simpsons episode from season seven, episode three. Home sweet, home diddly dum doodly. Um, and so, you know, I, I wanted to examine an episode of The Simpsons that also deals in a very frank and sometimes disturbing fashion. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. With the hot button issue of ne- negligent parenting. Sure. <clears throat> this is one of my all-time favorites. So as we open, Marge is, uh, is puttering around the kitchen. She's gotten a bunch of old newspapers from the dump for a history project Lisa's working on. And uh, it's picture day for Bart. So she makes him spit out his vampire teeth. The pacing of... Marge's super efficient morning routine yes. is fantastic. A lot of this is visual, so you can't really capture it. But she's you know spins spins the bag the, the sandwich and the musical bag. cue when she spins the bag is really great. Too. Yeah. yeah. Um. So she and she uh, she removes a sign that Bart has put on Lisa's back that reads <laughs> "I'm a stupid baby," uh, before sending them off to school with their lunches. Now, keep the lettuce separate until eleven thirty. That way, the lettuce stays moist and the bread stays dry. Huh? Huh? Mom, you fuss over us way too much. Enjoy it now, because when you're a grown-up, you'll have to take care of yourself. Marge, there's a spider near my car keys. You did the right thing by telling me. Shoot, get out of here. <laughs> so uh, Homer's crippling fear of spiders and his need for his wife to come into the room and kill them may hit pretty close to home for, for this fellow Indeed, here. It may. Um, so Marge thinks this is going to be a day like any other, but Homer has defrauded a Bentley dealership in order to get passes for a day spa, and Grandpa's going to look after Maggie while they're <laughs> as away. As Baron Homer. As Baron Homer. Well, what are the advantages this car has over a, a train, which I could also buy? <laughs> um, so Marge is can't thinks she can't leave the house in the state it's in because all this history project stuff is still around. She hasn't done the dishes yet, etc. But um, Homer reminds her that she works herself stupid, as he puts it, for the family, and that she deserves to be pampered. So meanwhile, it's school. Uh, it's time for the class picture, but Mrs. Krabappel notices something amiss. Bart is scratching his head because he got lice from a monkey that Milhouse found in a basket from <laughs> Pier 1, which gets edited out in syndication. Oh, really? really? They changed it to some, something else. Oh, wow. Uh, they changed it to, like, Trader Pete's or something oh. like that. Don't fuck with the Pier 1 people. Right? Yeah. Um, 
And so as Skinner and Willie burn Bart's clothes, you see his bum. He's wrapped in a towel. Or That's something. so cute. So and cute. also the little touch in that is the uh, the the death throes of That's, the lice. I love yes. the audible lice in this movie. It happens a couple times. It's cute. Where oh god, it's great. So Lisa's while this is going on, Lisa's outside getting bullied from some girls who have thrown her prescription shoes up over a telephone wire. Uh, and the girls start chanting that she has cooties, and when she protests that she doesn't, Skinner gets on the PA to call her to his office for a head lice inspection. Wah, wah. So she's almost inside when she gets hit in the head with a soccer ball and bites her tongue. So between that and her muddy feet, she's in a very sad state when she gets to Skinner's office, where Bart is waiting for her wearing an onion sack. Yeah. Um, Skinner calls child welfare, which roars into action, just like they do in real life, because they're not overburdened or underfunded. <laughs> but anyway... Whoa, would you look at this place? Sink full of dirty dishes, trash not taken out, living room a mess, stacks of old newspapers from 20 years ago. Get ready, gamblers, for the World Series of Dog Racing. Grandpa's asleep on the couch. <laughs> what the heck did I get to? Hmm, a disheveled and malnourished man found sleeping in his own filth seems confused and dehydrated. Where's the baby? Well, that's her, ain't it? Maggie's drinking out of a dog bowl. Kids love that water. Oh, my Lord. Stupid babies need the most attention. (laughs) The sign has ended up on Maggie, so it now says, I'm a stupid baby on her. Uh, Probably one of the top ten money quotes from Uh The Simpsons, I think, at least in our household anyways. I'm a stupid blank. Uh, Yes, yes, indeed. So um, so the child welfare officers are waiting there, and when so they're there when Bart and Lisa get home from school. And uh, shortly thereafter, Homer and Marge come back from their day of spa pampering. Blissed out. Yes. <clears throat> What's going on here? Child welfare, ma'am. Here's a little bedtime reading. Mm. Squalid hellhole. Toilet paper hung in improper <laughs> overhand fashion. Dogs mating on dining room table. Mm. <laughs> overhand is the correct Yeah, position. that's my note, too. <laughs> Here is my note. Over is the proper it toilet is. paper position, though, exclamation point. Yes, it is. Not a crackpot. Oh, but the butt, Joe that, isn't saying anything. But, no, no. I feel like the joke is appropriate in that people get super fired up about they their do. preference yes, for They do. Yes, they do. But it also means that the Simpsons do hang it in overhand, overhand yes, fashion. So you're with them. But that's the government. The man mm-hmm. wants it under. See, nobody likes the government. <laughs> um, so the officers, basically with with kind of no preamble other than that, handing over the, the paperwork, um, they take the three kids into their child welfare paddy wagon. <laughs> Um, and Marge tries to get them back, but the, the officer tells her that if she doesn't restrain herself, she'll be arrested. So in the van, the other officer tries to calm the kids down. Now just relax, kids. All we're doing is taking you to a foster home. <laughs> <laughs> so they just pull up next door. Hey, ho Welcome to your new home, Neglectorinos. So indeed, the Simpsons kids are now Flanders foster children, and things do not start out well. I don't judge Homer and Marge. That's for a vengeful God to do. Mm -hmm. All we want to do is give your kids a good home until they get their act together. You don't understand. Mom and Dad take good care of us. Lisa's tooth falls out. That was a baby tooth. (laughs) It was loose. Don't you worry, little girl. We'll get you some nice county dentures. <laughs> so you were saying before we started, this is a that's another scene that gets cut. From it gets cut from syndication for time. Yeah. Yeah. So um, so then we see, we see the the Simpsons kids acclimating to house to life in the Flanders house, which is weird. Uh, Lisa says it seems like their house, but it has a weird Pat Boonish quality to it, which is great because I think everyone had that family uh-huh. when they were a kid. Yeah. Like you'd go over to their house and be like, "You yes. do everything wrong." Yeah. Um, like Nachos Flanders style, oh which is cucumber slices with cottage. But it was always seems to be matched with people that have like furniture and appliances that are like 15 years out of date yeah. compared to yours. And you're yes. like, something is very it's, wrong yeah, with this it's, household. It's just yeah. weird. So the, so the Simpsons parents uh, next door, they've been told they can't, there's the child welfare's put up like police tape that's prohibited them from, from crossing. They can't get within a hundred feet of the kids and they blame themselves for the calamity. Um, and can't stand not having the kids, and so they finally go to the courthouse to plead with a judge to reverse the order by child welfare. Fathering children is the best part of my day. I'd do anything for Bart and Lisa. And, uh, Margaret? Oh, lady, you got the wrong file. It's Maggie. Oh, Maggie. I got nothing against Maggie. (laughs) I can see you sincerely want your children back, but you have a lot to learn about being parents. 
Before I can return your children, you'll have to complete a course called Family Skills. It teaches parents to listen to their... Communication, gotcha. But it's important listen, to... Listen, yes, I know. But there's more to it than... I have listening skills. Mr. Simpson, would you please... Shut up, Judge! <laughs> <laughs> So good. The timing of the of that is perfect. Yeah. So while the Simpsons kids are getting increasingly unsettled by the wholesomeness at the Flanders house, particularly the way that Maggie has taken to Ned, uh, Marge and Homer go to the family skills class where they meet some of Springfield's other unfit parents, including one of Joe's favorite Simpsons characters ever. Are you asking yourself, hey, Joe, does this episode have an Agnes moment that you love? In fact, it does. When she was screeching and screeching at Seymour. I got that. Mrs. Skinner, why are you here? The county is threatening to take my Seymour away. Oh, we had another fight over the inflatable bath pillow. I kept screeching and screeching at him. All right, very good. Now, who knows how the Skinners could have resolved this problem? Uh, without resorting to violence. Everyone's hands go down. Or childish name-calling. Anybody. Okay, that's okay, because making a happy home isn't like flipping on a light switch. The light switch? There are a lot of little tricks to it, things you should have learned a long time ago, such as if you leave milk out, it can go sour. Put it in the refrigerator or, failing that, a cool, wet sack. <laughs> that's another line we yeah. quote a lot a cool for some sack. reason. <laughs> Um, so Homer manages to ignore all of his natural instincts towards solving problems by strangling people and successfully completes the course. But back at the Flanders house, a game of bombardment of Bible, oh, Bible verses <laughs> leads Ned to uncover... From the Vulgate of St. Jerome. Exactly. Leads Ned to uncover some shocking information, which is that the Simpsons kids have never been baptized. And so when Marge and Homer graduate from the class and come home to get the kids, they find a sign on the front door of the Flanders that announces that Ned has gone baptizing. And Homer is especially horrified because this means that in the eyes of God, they'll be Flanderses. So they take off in pursuit. And in the Flanders car, Ned and Maude tried to calm down Lisa and Bart. But Maggie seems super into it, which creeps yeah. out Bart and Lisa even more. She, she, They say that she isn't protesting because she can't talk. And then she pops out the soother and says, daddly doodly. And then does the exorcist. The exorcist turns her yes. head all the way around to look at Bart and Lisa in the backseat, which is creepy. So at the Springfield River, the baptism is underway and it is the, everything about the art and everything makes it seem super, super disturbing. And all the, all the uh, angles are like worm's eyes. So yes, like it's all looks very like a horror movie Distorted giant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And so, so Ned, uh, Ned, Ned tries to kick things off. Who wants to be the first to enter God's good graces? Ooh, Beach. They each point at each other at that moment, which I totally love. <laughs> yeah. So Homer pulls the car up just as Flanders is about to dribble the very first drop of holy water onto Bart's head. And so Homer dives underneath it, thus taking a baptismal yeah, on Bart's behalf. <laughs> I love that line. So Bart and Lisa are happy to see him, but Maggie stays on the shore looking from the Flanders flock under a beautiful rainbow <laughs> to her mud-covered biological relatives. Um, and she seems like she's going to choose to be a Flanders until Marge comes around the corner behind Ned and she does that thing the babies do where she wiggles her yeah. fingers to be picked up. It's very cute. And the family is reunited. So um, this episode has a lot to unpack. So there's the, the setup of Marge's perfect parenting. So the show goes back and forth about that, to, you know, her being totally on top of everything to her having too much to do and being stressed out. Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> But in this case, she's totally on top of everything, which is what makes the persecution from child welfare so absurd. Is this before or after Rancho Relaxo? After. Way after. after. Well after. Okay. But it's before Sherry Bobbins. Okay. Yes. Um, so anyway, but Marge being awesome at parenting is counterbalanced by Homer's actually terrible parenting, uh-huh. which he, if he were a real person probably would result in the loss of his children, what with the violence and everything. Uh-huh. So then there's the portrayal of child welfare as excessively aggressive at which we unfortunately know they're not. But that's then counterbalanced by the actually incompetent and terrible parents in the family skills class, including the guy who's also in an onion sack, like Bart's. So many people shooting their guns at the the parenting seminars. Um, So in other words, the the episode doesn't get bogged down by taking any kind of doctrinaire or political position on the subject matter, unlike, for example, a South Park. Ah, yes. Um, And instead just jumps off from a silly set of misunderstandings to make funny jokes and end by bringing the family back together, if not stronger than ever, then at least the same as when they started. And so along the way, there were lots of classic lines, which we've already heard. And it was very hard for me to narrow down my list of clips. Yeah, Um, It is super clippable. That is for sure. Um, So this is one of my favorite episodes ever. The end. Yeah, it's a great episode. You know, for me, this episode has like two hallmark traits of fantastic, good Simpsons era 
episodes, which is one family dynamics yep. play a major part yes. in the actual plot and yes. of the episode. And that uh, number two is that it has a weave into the storyline that is super tight. Um, you know, you think about all the jokes they packed in to just having Bart and Lisa and Maggie all converge at about eight minutes into the episode at the yeah. Simpsons house looking all disheveled and, you know, the product <laughs> of bad parenting, right? Yeah. I right. mean, you know. Even though we know what the real circumstances Lisa's are. got garbage bags on her feet. Bart's in a burlap sack. Yep. Maggie's got the stupid baby sign on her. And it all comes together. And you don't really notice it as a empty linear path to yeah. what they were doing, right? Yep. And, and the other thing is that it, the, the stuff that takes place at the Flanders house is also very recognizable. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's slightly amped up, but, you yeah. know. The, like I was saying milk. earlier, yeah, unflavored for me. The, and the one the, that that really struck me was having to play with other kids that are nowhere near uh-huh. as fun as you are. Yes, yep. that was so true when yeah. growing up. Yes. Where I would, you know, they were either slightly younger or more conservative or right. yeah. or whatever, just off. You know, yeah, like they, they were like, you know, and they, they had their whatever. own manner of play. They played yeah. like newspaper. And, yeah, yeah. And there's like great moments in all these things, like the yeah. the you know extra extra Todd smells yes. part. Is, What's is your really source great. on this? But the, the the beginning of that is playtime is fun. That's what they do, right? Yeah, That's the difference. They actually can't. They have, go to bed well before sundown. Yeah, it's a lot of good touches like that. So for me, that's what makes this episode so strong. Is it's, yeah. it's family based and it's really tight. Yeah, and yeah. there's not too many moments that go by without a really good joke. And there were a couple of really good character beats I thought in this. The one being that Lisa, who you would never think would be against things like uh, family reading time or stuff like that, is resolutely loyal to her parents because that's her parents. So when she makes the line like, and they read Newsweek instead of nothing, nothing. (laughs) sounds like such a non-Lisa line. But in that context, like... That's her, you know, right. the Simpsons are her family. Right. She's used to being the smart one in that family. Right. She yep. doesn't need to be in this family that reads Newsweek, and she's better than Newsweek anyway. Right. Um, but the other thing... But I, also, it, it's worth noting, too, that in in later years, the, the, as Ned evolved, he never would have read Newsweek either. Oh, no. That would have had, had lots of stuff in it to angry, Far too up, liberal. angry up the blood. Yeah. yeah. Um, but the other thing I love about it at the end is that Maggie has such a hard time choosing between Homer, Bart, and Lisa and the Flanderses because they don't, the show doesn't back off the fact that Homer really is a lousy parent Especially to Maggie. Especially to her, yeah, yeah. Yes. Where he forgets about her in the, in the court <laughs> and that it's really, that it's only Marge that she runs to is yeah. such a, like, it's ballsy, I feel like. It doesn't really cop out to this sort of happy family, although there is the group hug at the end and it's really sweet, mm-hmm. but it really makes the point of, yeah. Maggie's Marge's daughter. Right, she is. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then a couple and the, and the kids sometimes have a favorite parent. Yeah. And that that scene where Homer practiced parents on Cletus, where he yells at him and he goes, "You cotton picking," and then he chokes him. And then at the end is, "I love I you, love Dad. You too, I love you too, Cletus." So good. Yeah. Like I said, it was very hard and to saxophone. keep saxophone. Yeah, saxophone. That was my only other it was, note. It yeah. was impossible saxophone. for me to, to narrow down the, the list yeah. without making some very difficult And cuts. then the very last line is old painty can Ned. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one you still quote. Oh, yeah. Once in a while. Painty can tar. Yeah, I pull it out once in a while. Um, yeah, really strong episode from start to finish. Um, you know, this is at, you know, sort of in the twilight years of The Simpsons best the, run the good era yeah yep. um but this stands up with the best of them for oh, sure yeah. and uh I, I i bet a couple of you are thinking why didn't they mention the clown bed different episode i know you think it is that a different episode. it might be in this episode you think it might be but it's not. no that's yeah. the flashback when lisa's getting born yeah. yeah all right so let's put this one to the vote simpsons seven three home sweet home diddly dum doodly joe yes absolutely yes Yay! The Simpsons, season seven, episode three, home sweet home, diddly dum doodly. You were hereby inducted into the extra hot great canon. <laughs> Americans love a winner. <laughs> and will not tolerate a loser. Nope. It's time for a winner and loser of the week. And Tara, I believe you have a winner. I do. Winner of the week is, uh, I'm going to look pointedly toward Joe Reed because yes. winner of the week is HBO subscribers because HBO just put up on demand the first four episodes of season one of The Wire. Oh, I was going to say it's got to be about The Wire, right? It is. <laughs> so um, I want to, I do want to watch it. There was something, there was a special on, oh, uh, 
the PBS special about uh, America oh, yeah, in prime time, in primetime, yeah. had a segment on Omar and I already knew Omar was great and I love that actor, yeah. but it really, really actually for the first time made me excited to watch The Wire rather than obligated to. Yes. If you've never seen The Wire, you probably have lots of friends who have hectored you about watching it. I don't want to do that, but <laughs> you can watch the first four for free. And, and if you get to the end of the first four and you're like, eh, that's kind of how Dave and I were too. It takes a little while to get going. But if you have HBO and you have HBO on demand, if you do, you should at least watch the first. I, four. I would make a difference between it takes a while to get going and it takes its time with things. Yes, it does. I thought. Yes, that's what I. Yes, Dead, you're right. Deadwood was slow going at first. I had to then, rewatch the first season of Deadwood to really get I don't, into it. Yeah, and when I go back and I rewatch Deadwood, I didn't really think like, oh, I see what they were doing there. It just seemed like they stepped up their game a little bit into it. Whereas The Wire. It always seemed like it was a slow burn uh-huh. and yeah. it was methodical You're right. and it made sense. Yes. But That's again, a better way to put it. The, the trap of it is you don't know that when you're watching the first four sure. and it, they're good, yeah. but it really turns a corner, becomes great. And then you're like, yes. oh, yeah. the beginning of the first season. I get it. Okay. It works. Because the know? thing about the show is like, yes, it's a cop show, but yeah. it's also not, you know, it's not like an NYPD boot. Mm-hmm. It doesn't hold your hand. Yeah. And there's a lot of, you know, world establishing stuff that has to happen in those first four episodes and they do not spoon feed you. Yeah. The thing about The Wire, if you haven't seen it, Joe, is that it really is like, it's an ecosystem. Yeah. You know, like it really is like more than any other show that I yeah. think I've ever watched. And they build upon that season after season. So after the first season, you're like, wow, that was a really interesting look at like cops and the drug trade in Baltimore. Yeah. And then like in the second season, season they expand so it. different. And then they expand it again. Each season yeah. has this right. another layer on top. And then it just rewards you episode after episode. Um, you Through know, the end of season four. Season five is it, it gets better and better. I think four is the peak. Five is yes. still good, but not great. Right. But it's still like it rewards you um, time and time again, and yeah. it doesn't insult your intelligence. They will pull a character back after two years, and matter of factly, and yeah. you you know who he is, and yep. off to the races. Yeah. It's such a great show that I don't want to even talk about it more than this because people will be like, yeah, 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 yeah. And I get that because yeah. I've been yeah. in that position too. But I don't want to make any promises, but I feel like this is the closest <laughs> I've been to really feeling like I'm going to do it this time. So right. it's really good. No promises, but we'll see. Joe, who is our loser of the week? Loser of the week, uh, and I'm going to look at Tara when I say this. Mm. Loser of the week is Nate Burkus. I know. Whose daytime talk show is getting kiboshed, uh, although he has to run, has to slash gets to run <laughs> new episodes through the end of May, but then there will That's be no the more That's the worst Nate. part, you know? Yeah. Like, to, to be doing a lame duck show like that and know it has got to be just excruciating. But this so way I'm he gets to wrap up the show's mythology on his own terms. <laughs> so I'm very happy for him. Oh, we'll finally find out what's in the ultimate Nate's crate. <laughs> No, you guys don't even know what that means because no, no one watches the show except me. And uh, I recorded it every day. Do you want to hear my Nate Burkus impression? Yes. <clears throat> so there's this thing that the networks call ratings. Hey, do you guys love ratings? Repeat that 17 times <laughs> an episode and that's the Nate Burkus it's show. It's true. He's a, he's a great designer. He is not a good host. No. Yeah. And I, but I still, I, I really did. I recorded. That was the only yeah. show that I have a season pass for because I would watch it Anytime day. anybody I would be interested in was on the Nate show, I always found out about it because Tara would IM me and be it's like, true. Lisa Vanderpump. All right, guys, you know what time it is? <laughs> I now guess I do. it's game time. <laughs> it's game time. <laughs> Times Dave has the heavy finger. All right, guys, it's the eleventh game time of the season. Tara leads Joe seven to three. Yes, Joe's still facing elimination with yep. a single loss. Yes, Joe, you got to sweep them all to force a tiebreaker. Still, today we're going to play Lost Worlds from Corey H. Now, we've touched upon this before, but never in a dedicated game time. I'm going to give you the name of a fictional place. You're going to tell me which pop culture property I can find this place. Okay. Okay. Yes. Uh, There are 38 questions. If they're movie series, can we just say the series? Yes. Okay. We'll take turns. Yep. There are no hints. Okay. All right. right. Are we ready to figure out who goes first on the count of three? One, two, three. Everybody's hands. All right, Edward Scissorhands with uh, Beats Joe's Paper Moon. Let's get into Lost Worlds. All right, Tara, are you ready? Yes, I'm ready. Your fictional place is the United States of Earth. Where would I find it? The United States of Earth. Futurama? 
Correct. Uh, One point. That would have been my guess. Joe. Yes. Duloc. What is that? Duloc. Duloc? Perhaps Duloc, but I'm guessing Duloc. And there are no hints. Uh, Duloc. Terra Nova? That is Shrek. Oh. All right, Tara. Yep. Zamundia. 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 Zardoz. Zamunda. I'm sorry, what? <laughs> I said Zardoz. I was in my own little role just saying. I can tell that you Zamunda. were. Zamunda. <laughs> that is from Coming to America. Oh. Zardoz is a thing. Is it? It's okay. a Sean Connery movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. It's the one with the famous one where he's wearing that little red bikini thing. <laughs> have you seen that photo? He has, good, he has a hugely long bony tail. I have seen that That's photo. not where you guys thought that sentence was going. <laughs> we were talking about his bikini. <laughs> Joe, number four for you, bikini bottom. Where can bikini I find bottom, it? SpongeBob SquarePants. Correct. All right, Tara, number yep. five. Where can I find Panem? P-A-N-E-M, yes, right? Correct. Yep. P-A-N-E-M, Panem. Hunger Games. Shit. Uh, Shit. I was I watching. Know things. Here, here I, I, I indulge my visual thing uh-huh. for a second, uh, podcast people. This was Joe during that silent internal shaking. I was. I was like, oh, I was like I couldn't even, it have been mine? I wasn't looking at you. Good. No, I, I hey, stopped listen. making the face because I, I didn't want things. you to see me. I read Entertainment Weekly that talks about the Hunger Games. I was going to say, it must have been an Entertainment Weekly. It was. <laughs> Number six. Yes. Joe. Bejor. B-E-J-O-R? B-A-J-O-R. Bejor. Oh, God. Bejor. Doctor Who. Star Trek Deep Space Nine. Star Trek Deep Space Nine uh, is correct. Okay, Tara. Yep. Hill Valley. Um, Back to the Future. Yeah. Correct. That Joe. was in my game that I wrote. <laughs> Yavin 4. Yavin 4? Yavin 4. Y-A-V-I-N 4. Okay, something in space. Um, Star Wars. Yes, nice. correct. Um, Yavin 4 was Where the was planet that the moon <laughs> of the rebel base in Star Wars was uh, on. Okay. Yavin 4 is the planet. They're right. on the moon of the planet Yavin. Okay. Brings me to this question I realized today <laughs> in the shower, which is earlier in Star Wars, the movie, the Death Star just playing ahead blows up a planet Alderaan. It does. And yet at the end of this film, the climax is 15 minutes of them trying to clear the planet to blow up the moon why don't they just blow up the planet and take out the moon with it why don't they Star Wars is bullshit <laughs> Tara Dave has a new favorite movie and that movie is Sardos <laughs> number nine for yep. Tara Transcarpathia Transcarpathia um around the world in 80 days it's a vampire thing right it is not it is G.I. Joe oh yeah. okay. okay number ten yeah Shermer Illinois Shermer, Illinois is... You can give me... All of the John Hughes movies. The Breakfast Club. Yeah. Nice. Correct. All right. That was number 10. Let's get a score break here. See where we're at. Tara? Three. Joe? Three. All right. All right. Number 11 for Tara. Moldavia. Dynasty. Correct. Actually a real place once upon a time, but think in the construct of dynasty. Moldova is a real place. Uh, Both. Oh. Yeah. All right. Interesting. Yep. Moldavian Massacre. Yep. Thank you, Jessica Morgan. <laughs> All right. Uh, Joe, number yes. 12, Mypos. Mipos. Mipos. Perfect Strangers. All right. Yeah. Tara. Gallifrey. That's Doctor Who. Uh, Correct. Wow. You got a Doctor Who one, right? Uh-huh. I've fucking uh-huh. edited those recaps for yeah. three years. Yeah, somebody's getting, <laughs> somebody's getting Firefly and Farscape <laughs> DVDs for Christmas. All right. <laughs> we kid. All right. Uh, Joe, yes. Cabot Cove. Oh, God. Cabot Cove is uh, Murder, She Wrote. Correct. Tara, LV-426. Jesus. LV-426. Um, Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. That would have been my guess, too. That's so funny. Alien and Aliens. Alien. That was the planet yeah. designation. Number 16, Romanovia. Roman... Ro- Romanovia. Romano. I don't even know how to say it. I'm gonna spell it for you. Roman O V I A. Yeah. Oh, it's a tough one. I will give you that. Something Eastern European. This one I'm gonna say Dracula. Dodgeball. 
Wow, okay. Mm. I, that's where the uh, monobrow girl's from. Oh. Missy P. Number 17. The Spread Eagle. Pepperland. 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 Where can I find Pepperland, Tara? Dr. Pepper commercials? <laughs> Yellow Submarine. I like the way you were uh, thinking with that, though. 18, yeah. and this one's a tough one, Joe. Okay. Stars Hollow. Stars Hollow, Gilmore Girls. Number 19 for Tara. 19. Where can I find Mongo, the place? Mongo. What do you got for me? Am I going to get this one? Nope. <laughs> um, Blazing Saddles. <laughs> Flash Gordon. Uh, All right, number 20 for Joe. Yeah. Arrakis. Arrakis, Dune, Desert Planet. Score break. Tara, how many points do you have so far? Five. And Joe? Seven. All right. Number 21, Rohan. Spell it, please. R-O-H-A-N. Rohan. Um, Kung Fu. Joe knows. Lord of the Rings. No. It is, in fact, Lord of the Rings. Number 22 for Joe, Gilder. Oh, Gilder is the Princess Bride. Correct. Tara, number 23, Sicily. Northern Exposure. Number 24 for Joe, Remulac. Oh, shoot. Remulac. Oh, my God. Also Futurama? Coneheads. Coneheads! Uh, yeah. Number 25 for Tara, Elbonia. Al- Albonia? L, like E-L-B-O-N-I-A? E-L- yeah. Elbonia. Um, the Beautician and the Beast. Dilbert. Uh, Dilbert. Number 26 for Joe, Kumar. Kumar, the West Wing. Correct. Number 27 for Tara. Brace yourself. Capeside. Dawson's Creek. Number 28. Brace yourself for Joe. Hogsmeade. <laughs> Hogsmeade. Harry Potter. Number 29. Macho Grande. Um, Macho Grande. Um, uh, oh. Yeah, I'm going to say, if you get this, a couple extra smooches for you tonight. <laughs> oh. Oh, uh, Commando? But that's the good logic. I like that, too. Joe, any guesses? I don't want extra smooches, though. (laughs) Well, you're getting them. (laughs) I have no idea. Macho Libre. Macho Grande is the uh, site of the battle that takes place in everybody's memories in Aeroplane. No kidding. That's where where, uh, Ted Stryker was. Dave, I was only kidding. I would have totally accepted extra smooches. We'll talk about it after the show. Number 30, (laughs) Neptune. Neptune. Neptune's an actual place. No. Um, oh, Veronica Mars. Correct. Veronica Mars. Okay. Tara, how many points do you have? Seven. And Joe? Eleven. Oh, all right. Uh, still in contention, in theory. Yep. All right. Number 31, and this is for Tara, Durka Durkistan. Durka Durkistan. Um... Where would Dur- I find Durka Durkistan? Durka Durkistan. Um, Hot Shots. South Park? Close. Team America, World oh, Police. Oh, yeah. yeah. All right. Number 32, Genovia. Genovia. God. Um, Genovia. Battlestar Galactica. Princess Diaries. Correct. Princess oh. Diaries. Not even close. Sorry, Anne Hathaway. I still love you, girl. Number 33 for Tara. Yep. Sunnydale. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Number 34 for Joe. Anvilania. Anvilania? Correct. God. Um. Anvilania. I have no idea. Tara, you want to guess? Animaniacs? Correct. Really? It's yeah. just a straight up guess. Context, That's amazing. Context clue. Exactly. Yeah. Okay, number 35 for Tara, Winterfell. Oh, Game of Thrones. Number 36 for Joe, Pandora. Pandora Avatar. Number 37, Agrabah. 
Agrabah. Uh, Aladdin. Correct. Nice. And last one of the game, Waponi Woo. Waponi Woo? Waponi Woo. Um, uh, Firefly. <laughs> Joe, I'm not arguing that. Okay. <laughs> I'm not it's arguing Joe that. Joe versus Volcano. Oh, Joe versus Volcano. <laughs> I always get those ones wrong. What, what was the tiebreaker just for fun? Let's get a score break first. Oh, well, 10. And Joe? 12. All right, that was a close game. Yes. Let's get the tiebreaker for Chits and Giggles. Thank you. Skull Island. King Kong. (laughs) Tiebreaker that I didn't need. Yes. (laughs) Joe. Joe. Congratulations, Joe. Good job, Joe. Another clutch victory. Keep it hope alive. All right, guys, that's it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We jumped into the winter award season, Tara's fun employment. Yeah, you did. Pop culture aspirations. And then we went uh, slightly mad discussing Paul McCartney's wonderful Christmas time. Yes, it's worse than jazz. We celebrated Dave's worldwide trending tiny triumph. And we inducted the Simpsons <coughs> home sweet home diddly dum doodly into the canon. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Joe was the winner of this week's game time. Don't forget to listen to Extra Hot Great Minis Tuesdays through Fridays. And hit us on Twitter, Facebook, and our site at extrahotgreat.com. Remember, we're listening. <laughs> I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano and Joe Reed. Move your bowel movement, The Wrath of Khan. <laughs> Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here next time on Extra Hot.